Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jay Mason. Welcome to a very special episode of Beyond the Album Cover, where we get inside those in the know within the industry, whether it be entertainment or broadcasting, and give them their flowers while they're here to be celebrated. And right now with me, I have one of my good friends, a mentor to me, gave me my first shot and is responsible for everything that you see here. The one, the only, CJ Riddick. CJ, welcome to Beyond the Album Cover. Jay Mays, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to do this interview with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, anytime. Make sure you all put the check in, in my name. You know my real name and everything. So Yeah, yeah. I put, sure it, I put it in the government. Matter, matter, it, fact, don't even, matter of fact, don't even do that. Let's cash at me. We can, yeah, we can, we can I, I'll, I'll cash at you, and I'll be sure to note it. It don't make a difference. Okay. All right. There you go. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that don't know, CJ and I, we were co-workers. So you're going to hear a lot of inside jokes. So be aware of that. So um, yeah. let's go ahead and get it started. So where did your love of music come from growing up in rural northeastern North Carolina? Um, Actually, my dad was a DJ, was a mobile DJ uh, way back in the day. I mean, I mean, he did it from the time he was a teenager up until, you know, uh, maybe to about the early 90s. And then I kind of picked it up and, and did it for maybe about a year or two there. And um, when he passed away, that was one of the things I was going to do to honor him was to pick up the mobile DJ game. So, yeah, so my, my love for music definitely comes from um, going out with him at DJ and cookouts and weddings and all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, I was five, six years old and could hook the speakers up. Oh, you know? man. Sound like just you know, like my it. guy B-Man, because B-Man kind of came up that same way too. B-Man out of Charlotte, where tag along, you bring the big component set out, you either at a hole-in-the-wall club or you're passing the records in the crates. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would bring the, the record crates that I could pick up. i will pick them up and bring them in for them and uh, stuff like that. If I couldn't get it, you know, of course, him, him and my brother would get it, so... But yeah, so that's that's where my music connection really came from. Was was really it came from him. Mm -hmm. Now, what part of rural northeast North Carolina did you grow up in? You may as well say all over northeast North Carolina because um, I started off in, in Gates County, which is kind of between um, a high ski and Elizabeth City, I guess you would say. And then we just kind of migrated westward over the years, and um, I came to Roanoke Rapids, where I'm at now in 1999 matter of fact right after hurricane floyd came through the area um we came in like right behind it so yeah so you might as well say i'm from the from the entire region you know basically from elizabeth city to roanoke rapids that's the area i'm from that's where my that's where all my family is right there in between that area yep so pretty much people for those of you that don't know rural northeast north carolina consists of northampton halifax hereford Bertie, gates pasquatank curta Pretty much anything that is east, and you're going to see nothing but sticks, dirt, trees, and water. Yeah, easiest way to explain it is uh, it's the northern part of North Carolina, and it's east of 95. That's the best. That's the easiest way to explain it. And it goes from the Outer Banks all the way to I-95. Mm, and caution people if you... Way. Yeah, caution people, if you happen to be traveling through Gates County, don't have no gas or flat by the Great Dismal Swamp because there's nothing. Yeah, yeah, you you stuck. <laughs> yeah. You better hope somebody can even find you. That's how, you know, remote it is out there. But um but yeah, man, that's that's the area I'm from. Um a lot of people, man, um 
here's the hey, you probably see in the background. I probably need to take it down. I don't know why I didn't. I don't think you can see it because I don't think I got, I got an angle right. But uh, I'm a Washington football fan. And I got all this stuff on the wall that has the old team name, and I'm not going to say it. But, the DC um, football team. Yeah, everybody always asks, how are you from North Carolina and, you know, a fan of the D.C. team? I'm like, because I'm from Northeastern North Carolina. All my media come from Virginia. That's what we saw every week. If it wasn't them, it was Pittsburgh or Cowboys. So it was one to three. Yep, because this area was D.C. country until the Panthers came in 95. Luckily, hopefully they'll get seven wins. It'll be a good year by going to win at least five or six this year. Yeah, I doubt even get that many, but anyway. <laughs> Anyways, neither, neither here nor there. So what were some of the musical selections that you grew up listening to, getting your teeth wet and a mobile DJ game? Uh, it was a lot of, let's see, let's see, let's see. A lot of New Jack Swing. Uh, matter of fact, most of the albums, I don't think you can see those either behind me, but I got a, I got a, all his albums that he had, I got them down here. It was a lot of like New Jack Swing, a lot of... Uh, Midnight Star, Atlantic Star, um, stuff like that, uh, GQ, um, and even a lot of Motown stuff is down there in the um, in the crate. Matter of fact, I got a whole Motown, I guess it was 30th anniversary mm. um, collection. I got the whole, you know, record collection, the whole vinyl collection of that in, down here somewhere. Um, so, yeah, it was that, a lot of Motown, a lot, a lot of soul, and some early hip-hop is in there, too, like... Um, let me see. Of course, like uh, EU. I don't think you call it hip hop. That's go go. But um, uh, we got EU, uh, Grandmaster Flash, all those, all those cats from like the early '80s. That cat Curtis Blow is another one that I got in here somewhere. So, uh, so yeah, it was really the early hip hop. And of course, you um, I don't know what you what you would call like uh, no parking on a dance floor and stuff like that. That I would say. I don't, I don't think it had a name. Uh, it was just 80s R&B, but it was more kind of like yeah. electro R&B. It's more, yeah, it's more like a dance type. So, yeah, it, it wasn't – it's not quite New Jack Swing. It's kind of in between the New Jack Swing and, and the disco. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of where that's at. So, yeah, that, that sound, you know, I got a whole lot of that in here. So, yeah, that's that's my musical roots. And um, and for my mom's side, it was basically basically the same thing. Same thing. So pretty much you were just hearing a little bit of everything with the old school, whatever was coming on on yeah. the radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, funny that you should mention GQ because Keith Sweat's uncle was in the group GQ. And I still don't know how to this day Keith Sweat managed to come to little old Northeast North Carolina to perform. I think it was I Wanna and Right in the Wrong Way, right when Make It Last Forever came out. Because you know that Keith Sweat plaque that was at the station? I don't know if it's still there or not. Uh, it's probably not. We cleaned that place out so here recently, so it's probably not. All the old old stuff like that is gone. Yeah, but I, let it go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know it was sitting there, and I was like, uh, "Can I swipe this just to have it as a souvenir?" Even though I didn't work on it, because I just find it amazing that before he took off, they performed at a little hole in the wall nightclub, and I think believe Pleasant Hill. I want to say. Well, uh, a whole bunch of artists has performed around here um, way back in the day. I mean, even uh, I seen it's in the Murfreesboro radio station. Um, it's a part of the building that you really can't go into. You might not even want to go into because you don't know what's in there. But on the back of the door, it's a flyer. I think it was for the Temptations. And, and it was from the 70s. 
So and it, and it was performing in a hosky, in the middle of nowhere at the fairgrounds. So yeah, the artist, big time artist has been through here quite a bit over the years. Right, and you know our region of the state was pretty much the bread and butter for R&B artists during the '60s and the '70s, a part of the so-called Chitlin circuit. Yeah. So yeah, definitely yeah. So it is a fly. I I thought I had a picture of it on my Google uh, photos, but I don't have it. And next time I go down there, I take a picture of it and send it to you. All right. And how did you get your start in radio? The radio start is very long. <laughs> we got time. Is 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 your world? All right. So um, first. First off, it started back in what was it, nineteen mid nineties. I had a couple of cousins that was into radio. Matter of fact, DJ Earn, I'm pretty sure you're gonna try to catch up and get an interview with him. But um, he's the one that really got me into it. Him and his dad are the ones that really got me into it, got me interested. And you know, of course, I kind of, hmm, you know, I see the engineering side and that's cool. But I want to. I want to be the guy that programs the music. That's what I want to do. I want. I want to pick the songs and put them in rotation and stuff like that. So of course, I get get on my you know on my dial up internet where everybody was playing games and stuff like that. I was researching radio stuff. I mean that's that's what I did. And you know I I had like a little um, pirate radio station back in the day, um, WCJS FM, and I was Urban AC because I had all my dad's records. So I was play his records and stuff and I would get the new songs off the radio. I used to uh, actually, you know, get the tapes and record songs off the radio, you know, during the week. And then on the weekends, when I go to my dad's house where I had all my stuff at, that's when I would, you know, have my radio station running. So it ran basically Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and then Sunday night, you know, I'll be back, you know, over this way. So it would be off the air. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's my starting radio. Basically, uh, pirate radio was my start. You know, I had, had a little station. It only supposed to go a couple hundred feet, but somehow mine's went out about a mile, maybe, maybe about a mile roughly we'll say, which is illegal, very illegal. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's my start. And I just kind of kept with it over the years. And, um, I was talking with someone, I was in high school. I think it was my, no, it was my senior year of high school. And I was talking with, uh, one of my mom's coworkers, and actually he asked me, you know, Hey, what you want to do, you know, in the future? I said, well, I really want to work in radio. He said, Oh yeah. Well, I know the operations manager down at the radio station. So that's how I got in was do, you know, a reference from a friend. And, um, I got in at the radio station over here and, um, I started running NASCAR and all that kind of stuff. And I'm in the same place where, I started. So that's my radio story. I just kind of moved up through the ranks through the years. I did the uh, NASCAR races, uh, produced local ball games. And then um, 2005, the opportunity came to uh, be on the station that I currently program, um, 99.5 Jams WYTT. And I just kind of, you know, I started off doing nights and it took me off the air because I didn't sound right. Then finally I got my sound better. I practiced and did all that kind of stuff and, you know, got back on the air later on that fall. And I stayed on the air at night until 07 when I became program director. Then I moved to middays and we did something that's different at nighttime. And, 
you know, I just did that. I'm so I program director for what, maybe a year and a half. And then after that, they moved me up to OM. And I did that from 2008, 2009, all the way into 2015 when um, I had to step down. But right. I still program, you know, the urban station WYTT. So, yeah, that's the, that's the short version of the story. The condensed, the Cliff Notes version. Now, it's funny that yes. you should mention Pirate Radio because over in the UK, when there wasn't an urban commercial station, that's how a lot of urban music over there got heard was through Pirate Radio, and it wasn't until 1990 when Kiss FM out of London launched, and that was the first time the UK had a commercial R&B station. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's how... That's how it, it, pirate radio is actually. I don't know if you've seen it before, but you've seen pirate stations pop up in the bigger cities, like in. Um, I know I've seen some in Miami, Boston, uh, New York, of course. You know those those little stations that might only go out a mile, but you think about it, a mile in New York City. Think about how many people is there in that one little mile radius. You know. It's probably more people in a, in a mile block in New York City than it is in the entire town of Roanoke Rapids, which is only about 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, think about that for a minute. Yeah, things that make you go, hmm. Now, who were some of your radio influences that inspired you to want to be on there? Who did you grow up listening to? Uh, it was a guy named Bobby J. And anybody that's uh, into radio that's from that area, that name was, will come up every single time. But um, he was he was the guy that piqued my interest, that made me wanted to be an on-air person. Um, it was a program director by the name of uh, K.J. Holiday. Um, he's since passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he was the program director for 103 Jams in Norfolk. And that was a station that, you know, we all listened to, you know, back then, because that's what we, that's what we, that's what we picked up. So um, guys like him, um, the Buddha brothers, uh, Big B, uh, DJ Law, who since passed away, uh, DJ B, who is actually still there. Um, so, yeah, all those guys, you know, we listened to. Um, of course, the mix shows were real big on 103 back in the day. And um, one of the things that we got hip to was like the Baltimore Club, Baltimore House. We got hip to that through through 103. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we listened to growing up. Uh, of course, uh, Z104, uh, 92.1 The Beats, and there's another radio station that we we listened to. It's been different iterations of that station. There's been a couple of them. But, um, but yeah, Bobby J was the first one. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, Earl Telliger. You know Earl, J. Mays. Yeah, 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 of course. Right? Yeah, Earl, Earl Telliger, who is um, – a radio legend here in this local area. Um, he did the Murfreesboro radio station that I grew up, that everybody in Hereford County listened to every single morning, listening to him. So he was another guy, and I had the, the honor of actually working with him for many, many years. Uh, great guy, great mentor, um, taught me a whole lot. So he was, he was another guy that um, I really looked up to as well. So um, let me see, Cy Young, um, I think you interviewed him. I listened to him throughout high school. Uh, Mitch Malone was another guy out of Richmond. Uh, cause we used to be able to, the urban AC in Richmond was on 100,000 watts. So we could pick it up down here, you know, easily. Now it's a gospel station. But, um, yeah, he was another guy I listened to uh, quite often. Uh, yeah, that's that's really the the group right there. 
Right. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the radio stations you were referring to were in the Tidewater area of Virginia. That's Hampton, Norfolk, Newport News, the Hampton Roads area. And even though my area of NC is close to Virginia, we got a lot of the central VA stations from Petersburg, Richmond, in addition to what was coming out of Raleigh, Durham, and Rocky Mountain. So K97.5, Foxy 107, 104. And if you're lucky, Soul 92.1 and uh, Power 95.5 out of Rough Rock City. Shout out D-Train. Yeah. Yeah, you got to catch up with him too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely got to catch up with D-Train. And uh, the thing about D-Train was that when I first came in to 99.5, I think I had messaged either you or him and said, I just got out of school. You know, I did my radio show in college. I want to get down. So I think it was D-Train that hit me up on MySpace. And he was like, hey, okay. come, come through. And I think I was overdressed. I think I might have had a shirt and tie or whatever. And I just became the hangaround, and D-Train gave me the nickname and one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He sure did. I, I forgot about that. And one. Yeah, I've been called so many nicknames over the years that the station is not even funny. Oh, that was the one that kind of stuck, though. Yeah, I think it was. You've been either you've been either J Mesa and one. J Mesa and one. And uh, I tell people this all the time. The good thing about working the small market station where we're at is that you're gonna get trained to do everything. Not only are you gonna do board out work, you're gonna learn how to do those transmitter laws, you're gonna learn how to sell, you're gonna learn how to cut commercials, you're gonna know how to hit that post when you're coming out of a remote break. So it's a great training ground for you if you plan on going to a medium or large size market. Yeah, now, you know, radio has, I mean, it's done changed since, you know, when you and me was in it full time. You know, now I just kind of do it, you know, part time on the side. Yeah, I still program as I'm still program director, even though I am, um, I, I work a whole nother side gig on top of that. But, um, but yeah, the industry has changed uh, so much. And now you just got to pick up as much as you can, you know, because the people that stick around are the ones that know the most. Right. And I know you probably know the name of Cousin Brucey, right? Yeah, I hear the name. Yeah, he uh, came back to terrestrial radio after I think 40 plus years. He's on WABC out of New York. He was on Sirius XM for years, but he's a radio legend in the tri-state area. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's, it's uh, <laughs> radio is... Um, it's a little bit down right now. It's it's going through a phase of okay we're, we're kind of stuck in between the streaming, the Spotify's, the Pandora's of the world, and now the podcasting side of things is uh, starting to take off. So we're trying to find our place between that. I'm trying to say it in a positive way. So <laughs> make that spin. Um, I try. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying not to go off into a rant, but um, but yeah, we're just trying to find a space in between there but um in in bigger markets radio is not as big in smaller markets radio is huge and especially with the older audience because that's what they that's what they grew up on that's what you know i think we were the last generation that really grew up listening to the radio like that you know anybody after us you know they basically went their entire lives without it you know everything is on demand and even some of some of us you know we like our stuff on demand we want everything right now you know, mm. so yeah, radio is kind of, kind of, it's right now, it's just kind of stuck in between those two. And uh, in my opinion, this is just, just my opinion, I could be wrong. I may be, may be wrong about this. And I know a lot of times people say 
you know, to move forward, you can't look back. But I think radio needs to take a lot of steps back to the way it was in order for it to find where it's going to be in the future. But that's just me. Right. I could be wrong. Right. Make it live and local. Like you stated in our area, it is community driven because we provide more than just music and news. We provide people's days to be bright. And I mean, when we had that tornado a couple of years back, um, we were on the air giving updates with road closures and weather delays. And it's more important when you're in a small town, radio is. Yeah, at, yeah. radio nowadays is not important until all the lights go out. When the lights is out, then radio is important because you can power radio. You can't power a TV, a satellite dish, or a cable box and all that kind of internet and all that kind of stuff, but the radio is always there. Mm. So right now it's, it's just not important until, you know, the lights goes off and, you know, you know, our, our general manager used to always say, you know, be local, 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 you know, you, you, you can, you can, all the stuff you talk about, you know, about Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, they can find that anywhere. You need to talk about local stuff. They can't find that everywhere. Well, even here now you can find all the information that you need with a Google search. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even, even in a small town. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that logic kind of going out the window. So, um, yeah, I think radio is going ha- to have to go back to being more personality driven and not so much music driven. Mm-hmm. Like um, it is now. I know a lot. Of, I know a lot of program directors. I say, oh, my God, he is so wrong. But what do you know? But, but uh, yeah, yeah, what I know. I'm just in a small market, you know, but. Here, here's my logic behind it, though, Jay Mace. And my logic behind it is the music you can get anywhere. Anybody can get it. You know, you can pull up Spotify and basically put up our entire playlist. So what's the one thing that separates Spotify from the radio? The personality. If you're jukeboxing all the time, you're no different than Pandora and Spotify and all that stuff. But... If you got a good personality, a good on-air talent there, guess what? Now you're separating yourself from that. Right. So that's that's why I say it has to go back to more personality-driven, on-air talent-driven than we got to play, you know, um, we got to play Beyonce every other hour. Mm-hmm. That's just me. Right. And that's just, that's just right. my opinion. I could be wrong. I may be wrong, but I right. doubt it. Right. And um, the one thing that I found interesting with talking to a lot of the older jobs, just a lot of the mileage that they tacked on during their years in radio, where they'll be in one market for maybe a year or less, hop to another market, then being there for about that same time period, a little bit more, hop to another market. And like you stated earlier, with the way that it is now, you're not going to see anybody log on miles on a speedometer or get that U-Haul truck like they used to. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to bounce around as, as much. Um, I remember I was in my fifth year of programming and um, a veteran programmer said to me, he was a consultant also, he said to me, he said, man, you should have worked in about seven different places by now. And I said, nah, uh-uh. I ain't not gonna, I'm not somebody that's going to bounce around like that. You know, as long as I feel like, okay, I'm one of those people, well, well you know, I like changing. You know, when I, when I get bored, I start changing things. I like to try to keep the excitement. You know, I like to say, okay, what's the next new challenge? You know, that's what I'm always looking for. But um, so... You know, and and sometimes in a smaller market, they don't want you to change things. They just want you to keep the status quo. 
And um, I'm like, nah, let's change things. Let's let's reinvent things. Let's let's redo. Now nah, we can do this better. Let's let's do it better. You know, that's always me. So um, so that's 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 just where we're at in the in the business. You know, I mean, I'm not upset about it or anything like that. So mm, so did you ever learn how to do old school reel to reel editing with the grease pencil, the razor blade, and the splice block? Nah, <laughs> I never did either. I don't think I could have done it though, cause you had to have a steady hand for that. No, nah, I mean I I always tell people. I mean even in, even in the DJing world, um, a lot of I do mobile DJing also. Um, you probably well, no, nah, you can't see it cause it ain't angled right. But um, I got a turntable set up right behind me, and a lot of people be like, "Oh man, you got to learn how to how to DJ on turntables." I was like, without the computer, and I was like, why? When you go out and DJ, you're gonna use the computer. So why am I gonna learn the old stuff? <laughs> I'm just saying, why am I gonna learn the old when I'm not gonna even use it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, concept is the same. Yeah, it's the same concept, but why learn it on the old stuff when you can just learn it in Adobe Audition or Pro Tools mm-hmm. and call it a day? But that's just that's my philosophy. That, 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 that's that's your opinion because a lot of the old yeah. school DJs came up learning with the Technique twelve hundreds, learning how to create your records by BPMs or by genres, and then knowing how to mainly beat juggle and match because with the way that the DJ automation software is set up, they can do that for you. So you got a little cheat yeah, code. Yeah. Yeah, for I me, mean, for the I mean, but I mean it doesn't pick out the records and play at the right time. And that's something you just gotta learn by trial and error. Right. That's the most important part. Right. You know, of any, of any party is dropping that record at the right time so guess what it is it is a part that you have to do there but learning how to do it and getting your beats on time and and all that kind of stuff eh, why why learn how to do it manually when you can just use the computer <laughs> i mean i'm just saying or you can uh, do fireworks in the house and cook out on the grill yeah yeah you can always yeah. do that yeah you can always do that <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great radio story. Yeah, yeah. One that I've heard, one that I've heard plenty of times. Shout out to um Showdown, your baby daddy, one hundred two jams. Yeah, he, he has he has to tell the story. Yeah, yeah. And the one it's, thing, it's yeah. Now speaking of one hundred two, the one thing that I admire about one hundred two is that it seems to be the good launch pad for anybody that wants to go on to do. Bigger and better, because, you know, Terrence J came through 102. Buster Brown was on 102. Um, Kyle Centillion, who's now on WGCI in Chicago. Africa, I believe she's now up on 97.1 QMG. And just the list of names over the years that came through that station just shows how Brian Douglas, who's been there since the beginning, knows talent. And also, oh, shout out to Chris Lee, who is the first African-American sports anchor on WRL. Shout out to Chris. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. You know what? He needs to hook me up with uh, one of the anchors they got there, too. I need, I need to talk to him about that. Okay. I know, I'm terrible, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so what was it that you think is about 102 where it's like a good launch pad for stars? Uh, it's it's a good mid-sized market. You know, it's not huge. You know, Greensboro is not huge, but also it's not small either. You know, it's kind of in between. So you can go there and, you know, still get the cut your teeth small market, but also kind of get, you know, some of the major market education also. 
Um, that's the that's the best part about it. And um, the fact that they still use overnights to develop people because, you know, everybody that comes through there start off in the overnight, even the mix show DJs, you know, you start off on the overnight mix shows on the mix off weekends and then you move out, you know, you branch out and do other stuff. But, um, but yeah, but yeah, I think uh, the fact that you started off in the overnights, okay, you did good there. Let's put you on weeknights. Okay. Do good there. Let's put you on middays. Okay, did good there. Let's put your afternoons. Okay, do good there. Okay, you do mornings now. And then, then, you know, after a while, it's like, okay, let's move on to the next market. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the, that's the best part about it is, um, and, and I do hear a lot of veterans say, you know, when it comes to training talent, you need that overnight shift. And, and also, they don't train you to voice track. They train you to be live. Mm-hmm. Now which explain is, is another, for those who don't know, like you and I, what's voice tracking? Uh, it's just pre-recorded talk breaks. You know, you just pre-record your breaks. Um, it's already your log is already made. The log is already made anyway, and all you do is go in and just drop your breaks in between the songs. That's basically what voice tracking. That's the easy. That's the uh, bro- most broken down way you can explain voice tracking. Right there is. You know, you just go in and just put your talk breaks in and you can knock out a four or five hour show, probably about a half an hour easily. Yep. That's if you really know what you're doing. Now, if you got major flubs and everything, it's going to take you a little bit longer. But the one thing about automation software is that it's going to count down your intros, your outros for you, because back before computers, you had to manually know that stuff, know your outros, know your intros, know your codes, and be really on point and precise. Yeah, and and it's it's, it's all there on the on the screen. So I mean, yeah. So nowadays you kind of train the voice track and not be live. That's why some voice tracks don't sound live, which is another downside to radio right now. Is it's a lot of people that's on. You know, we're we're in the generation. We we're deep into the generations of. Okay, voice track first, you be live last, you know, where if you remember when you were on the radio station, we actually had a live person in the studio from, I don't know if you account me or not, because I was kind of in and out, you know, on my show when I did middays, but we had a live person from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And that's huge for a small market. (laughs) I mean, it it was major markets that didn't even do that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's a um, that's a blessing, you know, and, and Saturdays it was from, I think, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mm. You know, we had somebody, you know, on I take that back. It was two in the afternoon. It was like two or three in the afternoon until 10 p.m. But mm. you get what you get what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's a little bit it's, it's a little bit more for. How, how can I say it for in a small market? That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you would think Norfolk, you know, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. Greensboro, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, but Rono Crafts, I mean, shoot, I remember, I remember the GM used to say, why you even voice track on the weekends? I was like, because we need somebody on. Mm-hmm. You know, sound different. Right. And I think one of the big difference in rule and 
our neck of the woods for the radio station is that um, the Friday night beach blast, because you don't really hear beach music unless you're in Eastern North Carolina or you're closer to the Outer Banks, North Carolina or Myrtle Beach down in South Carolina, because beach music is very regional. All right. So going to that, you got to explain first what Carolina beach music is, because when you say beach music to someone that's not from here, they're going to think beach boys. No, that's the first thing that flies somebody's mouth when, you know, when they're not from here, like, no, it's not beach boys. <laughs> that is not Carolina beach. Um, Carolina beach, the, uh, or beach and shag music, not the shag, not that, not the nasty shag. Not the haircut um, in the back. No, not yeah, not the haircut, but, um, the way the music um, came about was uh, kids would go to the beach. Uh, Caucasian, yeah, Caucasian kids would go to the beach, and that's what they would listen to. It was basically R and B that they could do a certain dance to, um, roughly around one ten to one fifteen BPMs uh, beats per minute. So that's what they call beach music because they would listen to it when they go to the beach, and they would do a dance they call the shag. So Carolina Beach and Shag is what we call it out here. So yeah, it's basically a North Carolina, Virginia, South Carolina, I think um, Georgia and Maryland is also, they're not big on it in those places, but it's also out there too, but it's primarily North, South Carolina and Virginia. Mm, and you'll hear a lot of chairman on the board. So pretty much mainly 60s R&B. Yeah, um, it's uh, 60s and 70s. Um, the Spinners got, got a couple of huge um, um, records that's considered beach music. I know um, it's a shame. I think it's considered one. Uh, hold on a second. Let me. Um, you hear my computer making noises in the background. Let me hook my hard drive up. I can pull up. I can't think of many off the top of my head. Hang on. You gonna edit this right? <laughs> yeah, this is gonna okay. be edited. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, hold on, let's pull it up real quick. Now, out of this area, if we said the name, you wouldn't know what we're talking about. You probably couldn't find a lot of information on them. But um, let me see. It's a four top song. Hold on, can we can we play music on this real quick? Um, do a little bit because I don't want YouTube to shut me down. So play like a little snippet. Oh, that's right. Oh, never mind. Well, I don't know. It might not detect this. Hold on, we're not gonna play one of the major ones. Uh, we're gonna play the most popular. Let's see if I can find it real quick. So for those of you that are not from Northeast North Carolina, you guys are gonna get a little taste of what Carolina Beach music is. It is a regional delicacy. So listen and enjoy. Yeah, it's um it's basically blue eye soul. Yeah, uh, because a lot a lot of the um a lot of the songs are remakes of old Motown records, they just speed it up so they, so they can do the little the little shag dance to it, the little dance that they do to it. And if you go on YouTube, you can actually see that. But this right here is probably, if you ask anybody from here, what's the Carolina Beach song? This is probably the one that will pop up. This is Carolina Girl by um, General Johnson and the chairman of the board. So hold on. I won't play. Can't go.
So yeah, that's the that's the probably the most popular uh, beach music song. If you ask anybody from here, this will, this will be the first song that will pop up. Um, they will bring up big time. Um, it was a couple of national songs they they considered beach music. Um, R. Kelly, uh, share my love, and he had another one too that was uh, that was real big in the uh, beach shag world. Uh, I think Bruno Mars had a record or two hmm. that popped up. So it's a it's one of those things where the, it's pretty much any song that they can do that little dance they they like to do. Um, any any song that they, they can do that dance to is considered a Carolina Beach Shag song. So there you go. That's Carolina Beach music. Right. Of and course, we the... don't play that on the Urban Station, by the way. We play it on, on one of the, the classic hit station or oldie station, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that I found oh, I shut you off. I shut I shut you off. My bad. <laughs> Ooh, the one thing I found interesting about um, radio was that certain records will only get played in certain regions. Like you mentioned with the Virginia stations, you would hear a lot of Baltimore house and probably a lot more go-go than you would out this way. You may hear it a tad of a small bit, but not as much if you're closer to the DMV area. Yeah, it's, uh, it's well, that's considered like a whole different genre. You know, yeah, it's in the urban realm, but, you know, it's kind of a whole different thing. Yeah, back in the day, um, 103 used to play, uh, used to have a go-go mix show. It came on, like, at 4 o'clock in the morning, so I rarely heard it. But um, they used to have one of them. Um, DJB used to used to do these Baltimore club sets, like, on usually on Friday nights when he do his mix, when he do his long mix shows. Uh, what else did they have? They had the uh, the Caribbean Shakedown, Caribbean Shakedown, um, where they played the uh, all of the all of the uh, Caribbean records, the reggae, the um, dance hall, all that stuff, soccer, all that. They played all of that on that show. So yeah, out here, yeah. So we got a whole bunch of music, and of course, um, we actually had a, a big time jazz station out here, so we got a lot of jazz. Of course, back in the 90s, it was, it was a lot of those around. Um, of course, you had your, what was called, jamming oldies. And the classic, in the classic soul formats, we had, a, we had a couple of those stations out here, too, that we listened to. And we, and we had a couple of big, um, I guess you'll call it classic top 40s, which was 60s and 70s. Um, top 40 records, which, of course, was a lot of R&B. We had a couple of those stations. Um, WNCT 1079 out of Greenville. I mean, matter of fact, they still the same format. Um, they would come in all the time. My dad used to listen to that a whole lot. Uh, 100.7 out of Raleigh, which is classic rock now. Um, that was a big uh, matter of fact. We got the call letters for one of our stations. It used to be WTRG. But um, but yeah, so yeah, music taste out here is is very. It's very wide, even even on the urban side. It's it's very wide because we're so close to so many places. Mm, so, how did you manage to tailor the musical selections for ninety nine five with us being so close to so many different markets, but knowing what works for our local area? Well, thing is, uh, key thing is in our format in the urban format is uh, the mix shows. You use the mix shows to highlight things. Now, I've heard some mix shows where, okay, we're going to play the exact same thing we got in rotation. And I'm like, what's the point of doing it? So, yeah, in our, in our mix shows, you know, I give the DJs a lot of freedom. Hey, 
play what you want, but you know, don't forget the hit songs. Don't forget, you know, if, if you need to go pull, go pull the charts up, go look at the hit songs. Make sure you, you know, get those in, and then after that, you can play whatever you want to play. And um, that's that's how you that's how you kind of mix the taste in there once in a while. And uh, of course, it's certain artists we're gonna play. We're gonna lean more favor towards. Like, of course, if Trey Songs put out a record. Of course, we're going to play it because Trey Songs is from, what, 45 minutes from here. You know, he's from Petersburg. Uh, Chris Brown, if Chris Brown put out a record, we're going to favor him, even though I don't think he really leaned towards Virginia anymore. He more California, but still, we still represent him. Um, who's some other artists that we uh, – J. Cole Rhapsody. is another one. Um, no, nah, no, nah, so I didn't even play I didn't even play that. I didn't play that for some reason. Um, Wale is another one from DC. So, um, yeah, if, if, a if a major national artist actually do something and they have a, a song that could possibly be a hit or at least be a regional hit, we go ahead and play it. Mm. You know, uh, I mean, you go in the database, we got a ton of Trey songs records that were hits here, hits in Virginia hits in North Carolina, but really wasn't a hit nationally. So nobody's playing it anymore, but we're still playing it because this is, this is home area. Right. You definitely got to show support to those who are from the home area. Now you mentioned that was the key for urban formats, the mix show. What would be the difference when programming a top 40 station and an AC station compared to an urban? How are they different as far as strategies is concerned? Um, it all depends. Um, like honestly, 102 is like 102, like the 102 jams we were just talking about. That's programmed more like a top 40 station than a urban station. It's just using urban music. So, um, it's really no right or wrong answer on this one. It's kind of a wide open answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it just depends on what the, what the program director want to do and, and what the market, um, what the market can take now of course you could do a 102 jams here but a a 102 jams type but um here's my theory and i could be wrong once again is um this is a slower pace area so you have to slow things down a little bit so if you are here trying to hit 10 second talk breaks and you know hit things too quick they're not going to pick up on it because they're not listening fast enough yeah you know, you, you've, you've heard us on the, uh, when people call in, they say, you get, you, y'all talk too fast. Y'all talk too fast. Well, no, we're not talking fast. You listening slow. So you can't do a bit market style presentation in a small market. Yeah. Yeah. You have to kind of tone it down a little bit. You have to kind of scale it back just a, a little bit. Um, yeah. Cause like I said, it just goes way too quick. The breaks go way too quick. They're just not going to pick up on it. So yeah, we have to do the 30 second, one minute going into a promo type talk breaks here. Because if you notice, I never took those out of rotation, but you still get, you know, three to four between the songs, like a like a top 40 station talking over the intros. Right. And, you know, and hitting the post and stuff. So, yeah. So here you got to kind of mix it up a little bit, because like I said, if you just do straight, you know, talk over the intros and eh, they might not pick up on your breaks or what you're talking about as much because they're not listening as the listening is a little bit slower is what mm-hmm. I say. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something that was quite interesting. Um, by the time this interview comes out, um, the interview with Thomas Thrill Hill, formerly of K97.5, will be on there. He told me an interesting story about how they would counter program when G105 and the other Raleigh Durham market stations were going there, stop set breaks by going into their break a little bit earlier. So while they were on break, they were back from their break already jamming. So still in the way listeners. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what you do in, in competition. Cause uh, basically if you break down, you know, a lot of things in radio is break down by demos. And if you don't know what that means, that means like, uh, you know, like, for example, uh, as an urban station, you typically target 18 to 34 is, is your target. So if you got another station that targets 18 to 34, no matter if it's top 40 country, whatever, they're your competition because they're going after the same age group that you are. Um, of course, if you have another station playing the same exact songs you do, they're your competition. They're your direct competition. But anybody that's going after the same demo as you is is your competition. Right, because Cy Young, uh, who you can listen to on my various streaming platforms, told me that K97 was coming in so strong in Greensboro that the PD at the time of Power 97 called him and said, y'all are blasting in my studio. Yeah, hey, that happens <laughs> with these radio signals. Right, and the funny thing about K97 now is that back when I was growing up, you can hear them loud and clear, but when they moved the transmitter and changed the city of license, that dropped the wattage down, which therefore ended the coverage in our area of North Carolina. So you would pick them up starting at Warren County and then they'll cut off by maybe Orange County. Yeah, actually, they um to the west, it seems like the coverage area stops at the same point almost, it feels like. But you know that's that's a that's another thing. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, they they dropped their power down. When was it? What year was it? I th- were you still at the radio station when they did that? I think I was still at the station when they dropped down the wattage because I was still making trips back and forth to school in Greensboro when um I could only pick them up starting at the Warren County line, and once I got to I would say maybe Alamance County, that's when they would cut out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. They were cut out right around Elements County and then all of the triad area stations would come in. Now, speaking of radio station signals, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, AM stations ruled. And some yeah. of the stations were sun up and they would go off at a certain time to protect the bigger stations that had more yeah. power at night. So you could probably hear 77 WABC on the AM side back in its heyday in North Carolina because they blanketed a good part of the country at night. You can hear it now. <laughs> you can you can actually turn to uh 770 right now and and pick it up. Uh same thing for uh 1010 winds and uh, WCBS well primarily because they sit on the water. Um AM signals get carried by water big time. So by them sitting out there on the Hudson River, it, it just booms out through the if you ever look at a coverage map you'll notice when that signal hits water it just goes a lot further than what it does on land and and that's why Mm, that was another thing i used to like to do too i used to like to go on radiolocator.com type in different calls and look at their coverage area because depending on how 
big it was, you would get a bigger reach. Cause like, I don't know if you know, um, CKLW out of, uh, Windsor, Canada, the big eight. Yeah. Yeah. They were, I think part of the Drake Chenault group that did the boss radio format. And the one thing that I found kind of interesting was, was that they were based out of Canada. They had the top 40 flavor going on in Canada, but they probably played a lot of stuff that you wouldn't hear on U.S. Top 40. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because um, in Canada broadcasting, you got to have a certain amount of Canadian content. You know, it can't just be all, you know, American content, you know, or or it can't be like, a, like for example, um, the best example I can think of is WWE. I'm a wrestling fan, by the way, a wrestling fanatic, big time. But um, WWE, when they do the Canadian shows, yeah, all the shows were based out of the United States, but they would have to insert something Canadian show. You know, they would tape a, an event from Canada and show one of the matches because you have to have a certain amount of Canadian content within every single program. So they would, they would always do something like that. And I think as the late years went on, they kind of stopped doing that. Right. And or, or or they they would just have a completely different show name for Canada, like um like in the United States it was Superstars of Wrestling in Canada it was Maple Leaf Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So they so so you yeah in Canada you got to have a certain number of Canadian artists on the air and Canadian talent on the air and stuff like that. Mm, so they're very big on making sure local product gets put on. Now, quick sidebar, yeah. you mentioned WWE, uh, Vince McMahon from Fayetteville, went to East Carolina University. And this area, North Carolina, it was Jim Crockett Promotions. And when Vince decided to make WWE national instead of where it was just regional territories, he was like, how can we make wrestling national where i can gobble up these small territories and just take it nationwide yeah he had cable <laughs> cable kind of <laughs> cable kind of dictated dictated everything because he had the usa network you know so and and back in the early days you know it wasn't that many cable channels but one of the ones that was in a lot of places was usa network and what was the other wtbs ted turner which, which uh, yeah, which is Ted Turner, which eventually Crockett, you know, ended up on that. So, yeah, Cable kind of, you know, gave us a wrestling boom in the 80s because we could see everything at that point. Right, and it took a fledging network out of Washington, D.C., made it a household name worldwide. Bob Johnson and B.T., and shout out to Donnie Simpson, who was just named, along with Sway Calloway and The Breakfast Club, into the Class of 2020 Radio Hall of Fame. Yeah, congratulations to them. De- definitely, Donnie is definitely deserving, because uh, what, 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 what was his claim to fame one time? He was the, the first million-dollar on-air personality that wasn't syndicated. Mm-hmm, Cause he he was doing uh, KYS in DC at the same time he was doing Video Soul. Yeah, so yeah, definitely, definitely, Donnie Simpson definitely deserves to uh to be in there, and the Breakfast Club do too, cause they they had an impact here the last what uh how long they've been on there the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely you know, big up the Breakfast Club. Shout out to Charlemagne, who's from uh I think he's from either Goose Creek or Monts Corner, South Carolina. Yeah, he's from uh, what is it? I guess that's uh, Columbia. Yeah, um, 
Goose Creek and Moss Corner. That's like right around the Low Country, close to Charleston, Savannah. Oh, okay. That area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He from South Carolina. There we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a big thing to see those guys go into the Radio Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. And Sway had been putting in work for years before MTV. For those of you that don't know, yeah. he got to start out in the Bay Area on 106 Camiel with the wake up show with Tech and King's King Tech and Sway. Yeah. 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 He de- he definitely put in his work and now he's on like you said, he's on Sirius XM every single morning. Mm-hmm. He, he got a real good show too. I, I was I was thinking he would get syndicated before anybody else do. But it did didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And speaking of syndication, um I was looking at the Slow Jams plaque that's angled nicely. How did you find out about R-Dub? Because I know R-Dub, he's a staple out in the Southwest and now on the West Coast, along with Art LeBeau. So tell me about R-Dub and Art LeBeau. Uh, I don't know much about Art LeBeau. I'm not too, too familiar with him because, once again, you know, it's that, that's a West Coast thing. You know, somebody on the West Coast would know that. Uh, R-Dub, in his case, I don't remember if he reached out to me or – I don't remember how I, how I got that show. It's been so long. I done had it so long. <laughs> um, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure he don't remember either. Um, I want to say I found a show on one of the syndicated websites, you know, because everybody is syndicated through a company. I think at that time he was with uh, United Stations, I want to say. And I just saw it up there. I said, hey, this sounds pretty good. Let me give it, you know, hey, let me see if we can get it on the air. And I think we started off running, um, I think we just started doing the weeknight version and then we expanded to Sundays. And um, and we're about to go through some changes here and he's still going to be in the plans for the future. So, so yeah, we, we've been with that show for uh, for quite a while. Mm, and the one thing about Arda was um, I had got the documentary on the AM station that he worked on out of Tucson, Power 1490, and how... They were a good sounding station, but it was on AM. And when you're on the AM, the reach can only go but so far. And then when you have a young targeted demo, you know, the other part of radio, like I do, sales, you can't really sell to young demos because they have no disposable income to spend. So maybe right. that was probably why that was that company's hesitation of not taking the AM and putting it on the FM. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you can't, <laughs> can't sell it. <laughs> I mean, if you if you're the Chevrolet, the local Chevrolet dealer, and you know, and you got a station that targets, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds, well, they don't have the credit to get financed. You know, they they like easy financing. You know, they're like people like me, like you just walk in there and say, okay, we can finance you. You easy, you can get whatever you want. Hmm, take it, go. Mm. You know, that's what they want. So right, but don't you find it funny that we're now urban ACH. I mean, we was going to eventually get there. I hope. Yeah. Yeah. But that was your plan. I, I know, but it's crazy thinking that, you know, we are the urban AC demo and you know, the two twins that's reviewing viral videos of old songs and stuff. These kids were born when we were in high school and to think that they look at music we grew up with, like the same way we did music from the seventies. Yeah. I mean, I kind of, well, actually, I didn't. I ain't going to lie. I didn't, I didn't really accept it. I was kind of forced to listen to it. But, um, but yeah, um, 
it's kind of weird. We sitting back listening to today's hip hop and not trying to diss anyone, but it's just not my flavor. Yeah, sorry, it's, it's not my. It's not my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I just, I just can't get with a lot of it, and um, you know, some of it I do like, mm. you know, and I, and I do keep up with, you know, who's who and stuff like that, but it's starting to all sound the same, to right? Me. And do you think the loss in originality kind of came from, you know, the big wigs saying we looked at focus groups and said this is the formula to a hit and this is what you need in order to get that quick butt but not have that longevity? Yeah, yeah. The um the music industry has gone to a to a monkey see, monkey do. If if a label puts out an artist, and this this is probably the best example, um, who hit it big first? When I say Meg Thee Stallion hit it big first, then all of a sudden you got Sweetie, you got Mulatto, and you got a, got this person, that person, all sound exactly alike, rapping about the same thing. It's like, why can't you get a, get a female to sound different? Mm. You know, right? Like like back in the day. Um, yeah, you had Lil' Kim, you had Foxy Brown. They kind of, they similar to each other. But you also had Missy Elliott, who was completely different than what they were. Mm. You know, now is okay, we got uh we got Jay Mace here. Jay Mace got this flow. Let's let's find somebody that's got the same exact flow and put them on our label. Let's push them. Mm. It's like, yeah, come on, y'all. Y'all can do better than that. Give it give us different sounds. Give it give us different people. Right. And the funny thing that you should mention, Missy, with you getting radio stations from your child close to the Tidewater area, they were bumping Missy, Timbaland, Neptune's tracks like crazy since that's pretty much their home base. And even more so when Teddy Riley set up shop with Future Studios in Virginia Beach. Yeah. Yeah, they, they was, that was the, um, they were the people that, that we fought. I mean, to this day, I mean, Timbaland's another one, you know, if, if you, uh, a lot of his records, he do a lot of Ju- Justin Timberlake's records. And he did Aaliyah's too. A lot of Aaliyah's records. Um, a, a lot of things. Timberland's more more of a producer than an artist nowadays. Uh, a great producer. Because mm, I can remember, you know, with Virginia Beach only being like a four-hour drive, just saying like, ah, close enough. You know, we're close to Virginia, so we're going to rep like we're from VA anyway. You know? It, it takes you four hours to get to Virginia Beach. Well, you know how I drive. <laughs> I'll be the speed it's really, it's really about, I mean, to the ocean front is two hours at the most. Depending on how you drive. But you know how the troopers are in Virginia, though. I mean, that's that's going speed limit. Take, mm. Taking your five over, I mean, that's that's only about two hours. I mean, my I could be my brother house in about an hour, 15 minutes. You know, he stay in Chesapeake, so. That's because you got left foot. That's why. <laughs> I don't speak. I take my five. That's all I do. Uh, you do do your five and uh, see see what happens. Um, and the funny thing about you know we mentioned D Train earlier is that um when I first got the nine nine five, he had told me the story about how he saw Terrence J rise to fame. You know, put Terrence J on, and when yeah. once Terrence J got on one hundred and Park, and once he shouted out Rocky Mount. I was like, yo, Rocky Mountain's only 45 minutes away, and he's doing it big to where he's an entrepreneur on all of himself. And I think it all started with D-Train. I can be be the Wilson in 45 minutes. (laughs) Still want to talk about driving. (laughs) You brought it up. 
Ooh. Yeah, but but about Terrence J, man. So what was your thoughts on um knowing we kind of have sort of a connection because of D Train and knowing Terrence J's um, story? It's real good. I mean, it, it shows that, you know, it shows that even though you're from a small town, you still can make it and do great things in the business. But you just you just gotta work. I mean, he's a I mean, Terrence is a workaholic. You know, you, you just gotta work at it. So that that's what um that's what what I what I you know that's one of the people I point to and say hey you from rural North Carolina well he was too you know he just got in he got in somewhere and he just worked hard and worked at it and look at him now mm-hmm. and then also look at the, all the athletes that came out of two five two in the past ten years or so we had Todd Gurley out of Tarboro Kent Bazemore I think he's from Bertie County. Jimmy Graham from Goldsboro, Kobe White also from Goldsboro, Brandon Ingram out of Kinston, and Montrez Harrell out of around Leggett. I think he went to North Edge Con for two years. So it's good to see the 252 area of North Carolina get represented in sports. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So did I say Bam out of bio? No, nah, you didn't say him. Yeah, Bam Adebayo, who's from Washington, North Carolina as well. So it's definitely good to see North Carolina be well represented on the sports side of things. Now, as far as with streaming and everything goes, we know that for streaming, for some artists, it can be lucrative and it cannot be lucrative depending on what service you use and how much you get as far as your rates because when I interviewed one person on my show, he talked to a writer who shall remain nameless said that one of their biggest songs got over a million spins, but when they got that check from ASCAP, it was only for maybe two, three hundred K. Yeah, they don't have the they don't have the well defined system for streaming like they do for the for the records. And that's unfortunate because you know, people are really like missing out on money because of that. And and you would think they would come together and, and redo the system. I did see it. Um, I think it was an interview with uh, the, uh, the head of Spotify. And he basically said that. Um, he basically said, uh, if artists put music out continuously, I'm talking like a song a day. You know they could they could make significant money off of the system, but you know you and I both know music don't work that way. Mm. You you can't put that many you can't put that much music out there like that. You right. know you see some artists you see some artists try to do it, but how much how much of it is really good? I mean let's be honest. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm I'm one of those people. I, I'm against like the 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 thirteen fifteen song album. Why? Only about seven songs are great and hits. So why are you gonna put all that out there? So you so you can charge ten dollars more? Mm-hmm. No, why not do the why not do something, put the solid seven out there, charge half the price, but sell twice as many records. Right. Cause I know kids were are looking at us saying, Why would you go to this record store, pay twenty dollars for a CD, only like two or three songs where me, I can just click yeah. online, pick what I like, and get it for half the price. Yeah, it's it's like yo, um, it's like that's that's why that's why I tell artists to do when I, when they when they ask me, I don't just volunteer my information, but um, I always tell them, hey, 
you know, don't put out these 13, 15 song mixtapes. No, pick your best seven songs and do EPs. Do strictly EPs. Don't do albums. Right. Because I think um, number 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 one, people's attention span is not up there anymore. You, Even the older people, the attention you, you span. You remember I was gonna go there about the attention spans being shorter because people now are not gonna sit and listen to an album from cover to cover like generations once. Yeah. I can't tell you the last album I sat down and listened to from cover to cover. I mean, hold on, I take that back. It was uh, it was either J Cole or Wale. I was this. This was back when I, I think this was back in maybe twenty. No, it was Kendrick Lamar, twenty twelve. That was the last album you listened to from front. That to was back. the last album I have listened to from start to finish. Ooh, listen to an album. You know, you know the last. You know that. You know the last album I brought? What was it? Jamie Foxx. 2005. The Unpredictable the album? album? Yeah. Ooh. That was the last one I paid cash for. Ooh, I, I was about to say, feeling me, I'm feeling you. Shout out DJ Earn. <laughs> oh that was the worst. Man, I had to throw that, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Hold on, I might still have that. Hang on. Oh man. Um, so the reason behind that reference was because um DJ Earn had this little record by independent artists. It it was of the lowest sound quality and it got us a bunch of laughs. It was just as funny as the video clip that at least went viral in our office of a certain radio personality falling off of a stage. Yeah, oh, I don't, I don't think I got that one. Hold on, what was the name of that group? Um, um are you talking about the song sure. that that was sampled in Unpredictable? Yeah, no, uh, 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 I'm talking about the one you talking about. The one that I, the one that I'm talking about. Um, I'm trying to think the one that. Yeah, I, I don't have it. I don't. Ooh, I got rid of it. Ooh, he don't have it. Yeah, yeah, but um, you know, it's it's funny to think how when working in radio, you get especially in this area, you get a lot of people who have, you know, your little colored CD sleeves, put a blank CD in and write it on Sharpie. But I'm like, uh, if you want to be looked at seriously, you got to treat your stuff with professional quality, stack up the money, make it look professional. Yeah. So that way you can at least have people look at you seriously and not like, I'm just throwing some stuff together. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. Cause we're going to sit there and clown you. Yeah. Yeah, it will see it will see how they like it in the street. Shout out to Janky Promoters. Right, yeah. So if you haven't seen Janky Promoters, check that out. Um it's with Ice Cube, Mike Epps, um, Lamont Tate, Lorenz Tate's brother, and a pre-girls trip, Tiffany Haddish. She? Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was on that. Yeah, she was in there. She played one of the hotel maze and um Shout out to young Jeezy. Jeezy was in there too. And uh, we have a bunch of inside jokes in regards to that movie. But if you're going to get into club promotion, don't do business like Jelly Roll and Russell Red. Please don't. Mm, don't. Don't do it. Don't do Not it. At all. But yeah, man. Anything else you got? Um, Another thing I want to say too is that with me moving out to New Mexico, right? I know this radio uh -huh. is a lot different because it's a lot of top 40, a lot of AC, and of course with the heavy Hispanic population are Latinx 
population. You're going to have a lot of Spanish speaking stations. So it was definitely different coming out to this side of the country, not hearing a lot of urban. And I definitely missed hearing nightclub spots. I mean, it's, um, Mm. It's urban. It's just it's just not the urban that you used to. Mm-hmm. You know, rhythmic. I mean, if you go go look at the charts, the urban and the rhythmic charts are almost identical nowadays. Mm. So I, I don't, matter of fact, I don't even know why they're separate because <laughs> they're exactly the same. Because rhythmic is pretty much um, same thing as urban, but not the urban presentation. Yeah, yeah. It's just, the presentation is, is a little bit different. So yeah. Mm. They they're basically I mean they're basically all the same. I don't even know why they're even separate anymore. Mm. Your takes on syndication? Uh, pass. <laughs> yeah, you're passing that like you're on Family Feud. Um, it's, it's it's too much of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's way too, it. too much of it. But it's nothing wrong with it if that's the best option. Mm-hmm. You know, like like for example. If you're gonna take uh if you're gonna take off CJ in the morning and put the Breakfast Club on, yeah, Breakfast Club is gonna be a better show. So go with it. Mm. But you know, figure out some way to keep the local talent involved in the radio station. Don't just, you know, blow out everybody and just say, okay, we're gonna have one day part local. Everything else syndicated, you know, because yeah. That to to me, it doesn't make the station unique anymore when that happens because now it's like, you know, you know the one company that's out there. I'm not gonna say any names, but I mean, no matter if you go from Philadelphia to New York to Chicago, it all sounds the same. Go to Nashville, go to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. You go to Richmond. It doesn't matter. It all sounds the same. It's pretty much like they're taking the fast food franchise formula. Yeah, basically, yeah. When you when you go to KFC, you know KFC is going to taste the same in Memphis, Tennessee, as it do in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. You know what you're getting, and you're losing the sense of originality, the regionality, where you're getting your big box. You're going to get this everywhere, so no need to make regional variations. Now, the one last thing I do want to bring up before we close out is that you mentioned DJing. How has that been affected by COVID? And then also your take on everything that's been going on with the verses and the DJs going on social and then the social media sites blocking them because of copyright. Man, um, in my case, I ain't done nothing this year. I mean, um, at this point, I'm doing it by, it's not by force, it's by choice. You know, um, like I said, I work a whole nother, a whole nother job. And I don't want, number one, I don't want to be out here on the weekends and possibly getting infected and then taking it back to my job. I mean, I, you know, as a human being, as human beings, we got, you know, when something like this happens, we kind of got a responsibility to each uh, to one another to try to stay as safe as possible, even though, you know, some people let the guard down and, you know, and get other people infected, you know? So um, I'm kind of staying away from the party scene um, for right now, maybe in 2021, we'll see what happens. um, I'm pretty sure by the summer of 2021, I'll be back, you know, in the swing of things, but like, all my gigs for the year just got canceled or 
Um, they say, you know what, we can't have a, a big crowd, so we're not going to have a DJ or whatever. So, you know, they just did other plans. So in, in my case, like I said, at this point, now that things are starting to slowly, you know, slowly getting back open up, I'm just kind of staying back and saying, you know what, I'm just going to stay safe right now because I don't want to go and get any of my, you know, possibly get any of my coworkers affected, you know, because mm-hmm. they got to make a living too. Right, definitely <laughs> you know? playing it safe. So about 2021, we can yeah. probably see you back out on the ones and twos. So any shout outs you want to give before we conclude and plug your social? Uh, shout out to you, man, for um, having me and having me on the show it was definitely fun, and um, we definitely gotta um, do it again at some point. Uh, you know, I don't like shout outs, so I don't, I don't like people like that. So, yeah, you know, I know, I know. <laughs> so, shout out to everybody. Definitely want to send a shout out to DJ Intern. You know what it is. Shout out to three, two, one. Shout out to Earn. Shout out to Marquise. Shout out to Twins. Shout out to Curtis. Shout out to Richard. Shout out to anybody. Oh, everybody. I forgot about Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Curtis. Old Curtis. Yeah, shout out to Curtis. Let me find him on Facebook. Yeah, shout out to Curtis and just shout out to everybody. You can catch this interview on major streaming platforms, Apple, the radio company that shall remain nameless, um, Spotify, Pandora. Just search beyond the album cover. And you can can say the radio company's name. It's just you don't want to say it when you're bashing something. (laughs) I heart. Um, You can find them there. (laughs) And and you can find the video version of this interview on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash j5. Ladies and gentlemen, my mentor, my good friend. Wait a minute. You didn't let me shout out my socials. You cut me off. Shout out your your socials, man. Yeah, uh, you can hit me up on, um, I'm mainly on Instagram, even though I really don't post nothing. I just look at women. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, You can hit me up at CJ on the air, the C-J-O-N-T-H-E-A-R-R, all one word, all matched up together. That's how you hit me up on there. You can look me up on uh, on Facebook also. Just look for uh, CJ Riddick and um, check me out on the radio, 99.5 Jam. Uh, Weekday afternoons, two to six, that may be changing here shortly. but, um, But yeah, you can check me out. On the radio, 99.5. Listen on the website, 995jams.com. That's jams with a Z. See how his voice puts mine to shame? Right. Now I can close officially. Ladies and gentlemen, my mentor, my good friend, <laughs> CJ Riddick. CJ, thank you for taking the time. Yep, I'm going to get something to eat now. I'm hungry. Ooh, you 